Well, we're back. I'm Corey. Molly is here very nicely joining me today. Hi. And uh, yeah, so we wound up having a hiatus. A little bit of an extended one because, you know, life unfortunately happens and we had to deal with a few things, but we are back. Um I can promise you this time we actually do have several episodes lined up at least, you know, for the next several months. So we will be here, uh, life events or no. So thank you for your patience. We appreciate it. Um, We will be having more regularly scheduled episodes every month coming out from here on. And we're just happy to be back. I'm super grateful that Molly is joining me today when I was like, Hey, Molly, we need to get an episode of Ladies First back, and I want to talk about DC stuff. Can you help me? And she was like, yes. I love DC. So, basically, we're just going to be kind of going over a lot of the DC stuff going on right now. Um, It's been in the news quite a bit. Uh, We have a lot of things looking forward to. I kind of thought about doing Marvel, but I'm like, eh. You know... There's just not quite yeah. enough for me to sink my teeth into for an entire episode. And I wanted a really good episode back. And, like, Molly's one of our resident DC super fans anyway. So I'm like, let's start this off with a bang. So first things first, though, we are in the middle of a coronavirus pandemic. How is this going to affect your reg- regularly scheduled DC TV programming? Well, uh. not great news. We had a article, we had an article come out on last Saturday um, that Sahara wrote, and there is a very good chance that, at least for the CW, the DC TV shows probably will air the episodes they have, but production's been halted probably for the rest of the season. So we'll get the episodes that they've got in the can, and that's probably going to be all we're going to have for the season, unfortunately. It's going to throw everything out for like a year. Yeah. um, It'll be interesting to see how they pick that up in the fall. Um, You know, obviously, historically, this is kind of new. But, you know, we ran into something similar back in the 2000s with the writer's strike. So, I I, obviously, we still don't know if we're going to have a writer's strike this year. Um, we're, We're in new territory. We'll see how everything goes. Uh, luckily, DC TV had already done Stargirl, so at least they can do that season. <laughs> we have new content to watch, at least as far as that goes. Um, also, Harley Quinn, the animated series, which we'll touch more on that later in this episode, because Molly also reviews this for us, and we're going to spend a little bit more time on that. But we will have Stargirl. We'll have, uh, as far as the animated series goes, Harley Quinn season two, which starts, uh, Molly, is that next month? Yeah, it starts uh, early next month. Okay, so we will I forget have, the exact day. Yeah, we will have some content. Um, depending on how this virus goes, we may still be able to see Wonder Woman 1984 in June as well. So, there, you know, as far as movie-wise, there's some stuff coming up, too, that may not be affected. But as far as your favorite TV shows go, may not have a season ending this time. Uh, well, that's kind of up in the air. We'll see how that goes. That said, 
I feel like the star of this episode really kind of has to be Harley Quinn. Yeah. Between, yeah, yeah, she's... Between Birds of Prey and her two seasons coming back to back on the animated series. I mean, Molly, I'm sure you have a lot to talk about this. Oh, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's not super surprising. Harley Quinn is happens to be both one of DC's biggest characters right now and to be um, rather blatantly bisexual as much as the comics are doing shenanigans. And fortunately, we are blessed with Margot Robbie, who does not want to um, play Harley as straight. So that's good. Well, you mentioned the comic shenanigans. Can you explain a little bit of what's going on to some of our readers who may not know? Okay, yeah. Um, so essentially, um, um, shenanigans happened, uh, and Harley and Ivy went on a road trip after Ivy died and then came back to life because comics and plant magic. Um from there, uh, stuff happened, and uh, Harley wants to be a hero. Ivy doesn't want to be, and they're not getting along so great at the moment. And there's a lot of hints and rumors and leaks going around that they're going to give Harley a boyfriend. And they also, um, for Valentine's Day, they released the statue of Harley and Ivy uh, with uh, Harley presenting Ivy with a rose, and when the statue was originally released and announced, I mean, it was uh, advertised as being their first same-sex couple, and uh, they changed the description on their official site so that rather than being, hey, this is our first gay statue, it's, hey, here's a Galentine's Day uh, statue. Ga- and that's Valentine's about Day? it. They friend washed them. They just gal Uh They did. Yeah, the, uh, the description is all about how Valentine's Day doesn't just have to be about romantic love. It can be the love between your friends, who's always there for you. Well, that's bullshit. Yes, I mean it's it's hardly okay. The Harley Quinn series, and I just blanked on their names. You got to help me. The two, Amanda and uh, I'm blanking. Um, of course, this I'm is the one thing too. I didn't have pulled up before we started this. Um. Anyways, so the Harley Quinn series that I am furiously Amanda Connor and uh, what was it Jimmy Palmiotti. Yeah, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Pagliotti is like, they did not put in years worth of work on Harley Quinn to build her up as both bisexual and, like, mostly polyamorous to just completely throw that out the window. Yeah, no. And, like, we'll see what happens um, because, like, the reaction has been loud and annoyed and it's hard to say with these sort of things what's the higher-ups at AT&T and what was um, DiDio screwing around because he doesn't like heroes being happy. So well, we like, it's possible when we get this um, fixed. We, we saw 
DiDio stepping in, you know, with Tom King's The Wedding of Batman and Catwoman, which yeah. did not And when well. he called off um, Batwoman and Maggie Sawyer's marriage back in the New 52, which made the writers team of that show, of that comic, quit and walk out and cause the mess for a bit. So DiDio has a history of stepping in at the worst possible moment to wreck a couple. So with him gone, maybe we'll course correct, and uh, maybe we won't. It's hard to say. Speaking of him being gone, that was some surprising news that came out. Like, they didn't even give him a thank you for all the work you've done. It was a very effective immediately, he will no longer be, blah, blah, blah. Like, who did you piss off, buddy? Yeah, I the deal, I, I think it's just after a, a couple of things, I think the deal is just going to go down in history in the same breath as um, like Alan Moore and uh, Rob Liefeld. And, and if it weren't for the MCU, Joe Casada would be along with him. So I think they're just like, okay. All right, man, that's, that's enough. We don't, we, we're not going to wait to get a replacement lined up. We're just go, go. Well, especially because they have their big 5G event coming up. And I know there were on some of the comic news sites, there was speculation that once again, he was beginning to micromanage, even though he said he would be hands off. And it just got to a point where I think it wasn't tenable, according according to the rumors on these sites. So, you know, it may change because you are right. A, he didn't care for legacy characters. So a lot of the reason we haven't really been able to see, like, our Nightwings and our Wally West. And I think Wally West is one of the biggest victims of Didio. But I think... Mm-hmm. You know, one of the reasons we haven't really been able to see the second the legacy characters come into their own is because you have guys like him who are like, "No, they date and they age our original characters," and I'm like, "Eh, it's comics. Yeah. You can find a way to work it out." Yeah, just fountain of youth, buddy. Fountain of youth. Yeah, like, Marvel just is like, okay, that happened, and then they move on. And I have plenty of issues with Marvel, but at least Marvel's like, yeah, we'll just have a big world-ending event, and we'll come back, and it's just been, like, static quo, and move on, and everybody buys it, and nobody says anything, so we go on. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so- yeah, there's plenty DC does better than Marvel in events, and there's plenty Marvel does better than DC in events. Yeah, so I'm just kind of like, can we please just... But with him gone, though, like you said, he was not a big... He he was this big proponent of heroes shouldn't be happy. Otherwise, they bizarrely don't have a reason to be a hero. And... Mm -hmm. Which wound up with him using the Joker as his author avatar, unironically. Yeah, this is... So, yeah, we may see some course correction as far as Harley and Ivy. I mean, it's going to take a while before we can see that trickling down the pipeline with how comics um, work and how many, you know, issues have to be planned into advance and everything. So it may be a while before we get to see if that course corrects or not. I am hopeful Mm -hmm. that we can maybe with the, uh, you know, especially with the outcry that came out with the, they're just gal pals, and we're splitting them up, and we're going to give her a man. I'm hopeful that the people that were like, what the fuck, um, 
kind of maybe send a little bit of a message to DC of like, hey, let's not. Why don't we backtrack? Yeah, especially because they picked one of the worst possible male characters for Harley. Apparently it's going to be Booster Gold because they felt we'd need reminders that Heroes in Crisis happened. I, I don't get why they haven't decided to just bury that, but, you know, That's they probably weird. had things planned. Well, speaking, though, um, she did have, and you actually reviewed this for the site, the Harleen, um, the little Harleen miniseries, and Sejig, because yes. I am not even going to try and pronounce his first name and butcher it and no. disrespect him, but it was actually, the collected edition was Diamond's top-selling graphic novel in February. Yeah, I know. I own the hardcover one now. I, I bought it as about as soon as I could afford it. It's great. Yeah, I think they basically it's Harleen behind the painted smile is what they titled it for the collected version. But I mean, that's really good news as far as sales go. It's a female bisexual character that's getting that kind of popularity. I'm hopeful it means that they let Sedgwick do another book. Or, you know, at least another miniseries, and I really hope he wants to do Poison Ivy. <laughs> well, he did do a comic not too long ago of Ivy uh, pretending to hold Harley hostage and yelling, DC, give me a book or the clown gets it. So, you know, he want, he clearly thinks there's potential there, at least. Well, maybe if we're lucky, that potential and the success of Harleen will you know, maybe translate into him getting to do a little mini series for, for poison Ivy. Um, it sometime, you know, maybe, well, I just knocked something off us. <laughs> maybe at the end of the year or next year, we could have something to look forward to, but, um, you know, Harley also nice. had her movie came out, which they changed the title the week after, even though everybody was already like, this is a Harley movie. Why do you keep calling it birds of prey? But her movie came out. I'm real torn on the title change. On the one hand, yeah, it's a, it's a Harley movie. On the other hand, I just feel it has more personality to be and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn than just Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. I feel like the original title, while perhaps less accurate to the content, had more personality and, more, and uh, was more tonally appropriate to the movie. I agree too. I mean, real Harley is just the driving force in all of this. And while I love the other characters, it was more of an mm-hmm. origin set up for them, and they weren't necessarily the central part of the plot. They were important, but they weren't. Um, this they was they a backdoor pilot in, hidden in a in a pre-existing show. Exactly. Exactly. It's a backdoor pilot for a superhero, all superhero girl group, as opposed to this is their origin story, like you would see with like Captain America or, you know, Captain Marvel. This is really kind of Harley's origin story into becoming an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like when Batwoman showed up briefly in that these in the Arrowverse Elseworlds thing. It's just like a hey, this might happen. We're just brushing out some kinks and seeing how it looks and such. Yeah. So, I mean, I know there's been some people who are really, really not happy with how the show or how the movie interpreted Cassie. 
our cats. I know yeah. you you and I have talked about I mean, yes, it's nice to see Cass on there free from her comic canon trauma, but uh Steph I didn't care. Stephanie Brown probably would have been the better character to adapt for it. To be honest, of all the teen uh, young women running around Gotham doing costume shenanigans, after Borden Cassandra was probably the worst possible choice to fill this role. Uh, Stephanie Brown would have been the best choice. Harper Rowe would have done all right. Hell, Dula did it a little. I mean, Duella. Uh, she would have done okay. Like their cast was probably the last choice, and that's just kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can kind of see why they were wanting to, you know, still have maybe another heroine of color in there. But I'm also, I'm just, I don't. Yeah. You completely had to divorce her from her comics character. And again, I yeah. think it's nice that you could see Cass as a woman of color, you know, divorced from that trauma. But I, I do agree with you have what you said when right after you saw the movie. I think Steph would have been a better tonal fit for this. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, when I say Steph, I, I mean Stephanie Brown. Right. I, I just, I don't know. It, it, I, I mean, let's be fair. It was a good character. It was she was well acted. Um, honestly, in terms of street smart, wise cracking, in tough tween, this was probably the most tolerable child performance I've seen in years. There were only a couple of times that made me frustrated. So you know, like it was a good character. It was well acted. It was well written. It just wasn't Cass. Right. But that said, there were a lot of things in the movie that I did like. I loved Huntress. I loved their Um, take on Helena Bertinelli. She is just such a gruff, angry, but awkward little bean. Yeah, you you can kind of see her mentally pulling out two people for dummies. Yeah. And it's, it's adorable. It's adorable and it's great. Um... And I really, really also love what they did with Dinah. Mm-hmm. That and that that was scream was just it was there. They didn't go out of their way to try to to explain it. We only get to see it once. I wish we could have seen her canary cry more than once. But I love how we just get an explanation from Renee. It's like your mom had incredible abilities, and you do too. But that's all we really get of like a foreshadowing for it. And they're just like, I don't care about this. She can cry and move people. And that's, that's all you really need to know. What is the comic book explanation for that power anyway? I think she's just a meta human. Okay. I just, I just realized that I couldn't remember. I mean, it's okay. That's not the main point of the movie. So I'm kind of happy that they didn't go out of their way to try to explain it. Um, Oh, absolutely. What they did with Renee. I love that we got to see an older woman, too, that they didn't have to be in their 20s, 30s. Mm hmm. They let Renee exist as an older, kick ass hero. And an express lesbian. Like, that was. Like, she didn't kiss anyone, but. It was made explicitly clear that she'd had a girlfriend. We get to see the girlfriend. She interacts with the ex. 
So, you know, that's nice. Yeah. They didn't give her the question. They, yeah, they didn't give her the question yet. Maybe if we ever do get a Birds of Prey movie, we'd get to see it. Um, but I was really happy with our introduction to the actual birds. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That, for an introductory backdoor pilot sort of thing, that was... I never felt like... You know how the Fox, the original Fox X-Men trilogy was kind of just Wolverine and his amazing friends... I didn't ever quite get that feeling with Birds of Prey. Like, it definitely was a Harley-centered movie, but I never felt like the birds were ancillary placeholders done just to pad out the length of the fight scenes. I agree. Uh, It's like you said, it was really... um, It was a backdoor pilot, so they all each had their own... Central parts to play to it. I think the only one I really would have liked to see more attention given to was Huntress. But overall, I was really happy with how that movie turned out. Um, I'm glad the oh the box office weekend garbage has died down. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. That 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 got annoying. So I'm, I'm glad that we don't have to deal with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's mostly died down. Now we're just getting the pissy Joker Harley shippers, and I, I don't, I don't care. I'm not gonna deal with that because I'm like, you know what? I want to have a good day. I want to have a good day. I don't want to get yeah. into that. This probably is not the episode for you if you're a Harley Joker shipper. But also, I mean, we're called ladies first, so I don't know why you would come on here and expect us to be big Harley Joker shippers anyway. If you're into so- joke Harley Joker things, you should turn this podcast off regardless because you don't deserve nice things. Yeah, like we're 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 not your people. <laughs> if you're a Harley no. Joker shipper, we're just not your people. Sorry. No. Um. That said, I do want to transition over to, and again, you've reviewed this for the site as well. I mean, you basically, if it's Harley, mm-hmm. you kind of review it for us, since you're kind of mm-hmm. our regular uh, resident Harley expert. But you've I, also been. I stand Harley. Yeah, but you've also. Um, you reviewed the first season of the animated series. And this one, I do want to mention, and I want to ask your opinion, because Kaylee Cuoco was mm-hmm. the one who uh, voiced Harley. And it's the first time we don't hear Harley with that very affected tri-state area accent. And how mm-hmm. did that work out for you overall? Did you think that was like a nice little change or did it stick out to you? Um, it's a little, um, it's a good voice. It's, um, it's not blatantly just her. She's doing, she's not, you never, I never hear just Penny from Big Bang Theory. Um, it's a little just kind of jarring just because I'm so used to that accent coming out of Harley's mouth now. Mm-hmm. So it's a little, and it, but it's a it's a good voice. It's a it's a well done. It's a good voice. I don't think it's like significantly stands out as the best Harley voice ever or the worst Harley voice ever. It's just 
a very good serviceable voice acting job. I of the um, actresses from Big Bang Theory to voice Harley, she definitely did the better of the two. I think my thing of why I like her take on it is because that accent I think is becoming almost flanderized at this point. It's definitely edging that way, yeah. Um, so I like that so, had some variety. Oh yeah, no, the variety is good. It's uh, perfectly serves for. It, it's just sort of odd at this point to not have it there. Like it's kind of just. I'm now used to thinking of Harlow having some weird tri-state area accent. And so it was a little, like, I'm fine with it now because I've had 13 episodes to associate this voice with this version of the character. But for the first couple episodes, it was kind of glaring in its absence. Like, it's a good choice. I get why they did it. I'm not upset about it. It's just kind of like a, huh, I just, you, it's like now when, um, like, I don't know if this is true for you, but like for me, when I see in the video games and the cartoons, when, uh, the person voicing Iron Man isn't doing a Robert Downey Jr. impersonation, even if they're doing a good job, it's just like, no, 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 that's not the voice that comes out of that suit. Right. There's just, it's not bad. It's just kind of. It's different. Disconcerting. Yeah, it's discombobulating. Um, I did want to ask, because I noticed you had a common theme when you were kind of doing some reviews of throughout the first season, the pace they were going at was kind of wobbly. Yeah, the, the, the the show is very much hurt by the fact that it's, 22 minutes episodes and it's a comedy so they can never quite i i don't feel that it feels like the writers want to do more than what they're allowed to do and are struggling to cope with what they with their limitations so it it's never like um yeah it it, it the last few episodes really hit hard, hard, fast, fast, and they're a bit better paced. But overall, like, there's just not enough time to do what they want, or alternatively, too much that they want to do with the time that they have. So, do you think that maybe since that first season, they kind of at least got. I guess that quote-unquote origin stuff somewhat resolved. Do you think they may be able to tighten up ship in season two? Or what What do you think you're looking for I in season two that you'd like for them to course correct on? Well, the last four episodes were... Um, the last three or four episodes were actually quite well on that regard. So I I think we're okay in terms of pacing. I think they need... Um, I think just in terms of like the basic formatting, um, I need a little more tonal consistency. Like it never hits Disney's Hunchback or um, Thor Ragnarok levels of rapid shifts, but it there's they there's a lot of moments where they're going for drama, and then they are 
required to fit in jokes because this is meant to be a comedy and they don't always like they don't always land and they I know that they can't do anything about like having to be a comedy um I think that because it's going to be hard to say for certain because a lot of my problems with the pacing in the early part of season one is that hard Harley was working towards a specific goal, and because of the comedy, there had to be a bunch of screw-ups and shenanigans keeping her from that goal. So I will need to know if she is going for something broader than survive and uh, thrive in season two to really know how good they're going to be with the pacing. Right. So the other thing... And this is something that we had been talking about. It was like this whole thing with uh, Pam and Harley of like, what the fuck is Kite Man? Oh my God, she's seriously like involved with Kite Man. We thought we were going to be getting some Harley and like uh, Pam moments. And you and I had both talked about this until the creator had come out and said specifically, we didn't want them to start a relationship when one of them was still coming from a place of profound hurt and figuring herself out because that's not a good foundation. And I thought that was a really thoughtful thing to say. I agree. I absolutely, uh, I like that response a lot. And I think I, I am totally fine with them waiting for Harley and Ivy to become, to become a relationship for a season or heck, I'm even fine with them waiting to do more than to actually start a relationship until the third season. My problem was never so much a lack of immediate Harley and Pamela or Harley and Ivy, whichever you prefer shipping. It was more tight, man. Mm -hmm. I, I am totally down to have, I am fine with, um, because the problem is that like, obviously like however you express your sexuality is fine. The fact that neither Harley nor Ivy express any interest in women at any point and both repeatedly express interest in men throughout the first season is a bit of a problem in my opinion. Like it's just like maybe I'm they're planning on going into Ivy's backstory. So maybe she's got some internalized biphobia, homophobia going on, some issues on that front. I don't want to I don't want to make any blanket statements because this is like we're still working on everything and we don't know everything yet. Mm-hmm. Like we're not settled in like I don't I'm not going to treat see uh the show off of just one season the way I would after four seasons. I'm I'm going to try and be fair. That being yeah. said, it just the fact that like the lack of any queerness to their characters is kind of frustrating. And I'm just really, really sick of competent woman has to learn to love and accept an incompetent man child. Yeah. Like I can, there's ways to do that tolerably well. Like I thought, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two did, and to a to a slightly lesser extent, Infinity War did a good job of that with Gamora and Peter. 
because a major theme of volume two was Peter needing to learn and mature and grow and being punished for his childishness and acknowledging his own mistakes and his failings. It's like, Mm -hmm. I can handle that. Like when the man, when the, when the, when the lesson is more, I'm going to, I'm trying, but it's hard for me. I have some issues. So I'm trying to be grow up. You need to be a little, just have a certain amount of patience. I can accept that, but Kite Man isn't doing that. With Kite Man, it's a very much a just you need to learn to take me as I am, period. And right. that's my problem with Harley. I I, I don't like I, I get the idea of having like Ivy have some bad relationships or some not so great relationships because she's dealing with stuff. I just think that Kite Man was the wrong way to go about it. Mm-hmm. And this is honestly tying into my concerns about Harley and Booster Gold. Because, like, Harley's bi, so if she wants to have a boyfriend, that's frustrating because of Harley and Ivy. But, you know, it's it, it can be made to work. But Booster Gold is a man-child. Right. Why, At least why when again, he... are we seeing highly competent women having to go down to be on that person's level, that man's level. Yeah. Like, I guess with like, I see the bare bones idea because Harley is a, basically a woman child or whatever, to a certain extent. But I think that means that you should get her a competent partner, not a partner who's like her. I, I think you need, she needs a minder more than she needs a, an accomplice. Well, she needs the same person. Minder. I think that's why I liked her so well with Pam, is because uh-huh. they're tonally opposite, but in ways that complement each other. Because Pam is yeah, just, Minder was the poor word choice. Yeah, I think it's more just like someone that compliments her in ways where her strengths aren't necessarily there because Harley is basically chaos personified to the point that it can't even go to her detriment versus, you know, Pam is very orderly to the point of Mm -hmm. maybe her own detriment. So their strengths and weaknesses complement each other. And again, poison Ivy is just so serious. And if you don't give her somebody like Harley, I mean, she can kind of become a stick in the mud villain. Like, mm-hmm. just like, lady, Absolutely. will you shut up? I mean, I'm not trying yeah. to say, like, women shut up. I'm saying she can be very, um... Self-righteous? Yes. Freaky? <laughs> and ha- her having Harley there, who is just chaos personified and constantly kind of making her have to examine her own actions, I think, is good for her... Likewise, the order that Pam can bring and the steadiness that Pam can bring, I think, is something that Harley genuinely needs and enjoys. So mm-hmm. I think that's why they're so popular with people because they're um, they're an example of that opposites attract and can work ship or trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're, they're good for each other in ways that very few couples are. And I've really, 
am I and I mean this is just my probably my lesbian bias showing, but I'm struggling to think of a of a other characters who would be good for them in the same way on right. either one, and that's that's sort of the problem is that's like um I think they were trying to accomplish that with Kite Man of being like a male Harley, but less he's not he's not competent he's just a doofus yeah he, he's unstoppable and that could be endearing as like a general like um like a, as a side character kite man could be fun as like a bro for harley that i'm for ivy that could have been fun like a trying to date this doesn't work but I enjoy your company. That 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 could have been something. Giving her, Ivy multiple people who aren't like her to work off of. But as a couple, they don't work, and it's cringy and frustrating. Mm-hmm. Also, we're still kind of like, well, what's going to happen with seemingly normal Joker? That is like. You know that meme that's like no fear and then somebody says something and the shirt changes to one fear? Mm-hmm. I think that's my big fear going into season two. Like what are they going to do with supposedly regular Joker and they're going to try to get him with Harley again? Because I am I am so terrified of that. I don't think... I will say this. The Harley Quinn animated show is undeniably flawed. But they have never faltered in Joker and Harley being a toxic, bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and while I don't know that I trust them entirely, like 100% without question, I trust that they would, if they would were to do that, I believe it would be like a two, three, maybe four episode long blip where Harley and like Ivy's on unha- and Ivy and the crew are going to be unhappy with her about it. And it's either going to blow up in her face or she's going to be like, no, this is bad. And just bitch it. I don't think that they're going to try and earnestly ship any version of the Joker with Harley because that's one of the few things that remained consistent throughout season one was that Joker was inherently bad for Harley. Right. Well, I so, hope that they keep up with that then. You know, like you say, if they do do a blip on it, it's just a handful of episodes. And that is like the absolute final nail plus nuke in that coffin for that relationship. Yeah, I don't... I, the, because they did an episode where Harley went back to the Joker briefly, like at like towards the end of the season where she and like it wrecked her. It wrecked he he tried to kill her again. Like he uh, uh she lost her crew. Ivy cut her out of her life because of it. She like it it, it tainted it, everything in her relationships. So I don't see her necessarily going back mm-hmm. but it, like if they were to do it i think at the very least that they're not planning on an end game or a healthy relationship with normal joker and harley 
Well, that's good news, at least. Um, so anyways, yes, look out for season two coming in April. <laughs> um, <laughs> we also, on that cheery note, actually, it is a good series overall. There's just, you know, no series is perfect. And we wanted to talk about some of the concerns we had. And hopefully we see a lot of those rec- re- rectified in season two. Also, though, did want to re-remind you, Stargirl will be starting on the CW. They've already filmed that season, so you could at least have, I, th- I think it's, what, nine or ten episodes? Uh, something like that. I don't know off the top of my head. I haven't checked recently. Yeah, I think it's like nine, ten episodes that they'll be airing on the CW, which I'm sure they are really happy they had in the can now that they had to stop production for, like, literally everything else. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have a few more episodes of our DC TV before we run out of what they had filmed. And that's just going to be it for the season. We'll have to see where it picks up in the fall, though. Also, congratulations to Melissa Benoist and Chris Wood on their pregnancy. It's going to be their first child. Yay. That does solve what they're mm-hmm. going to do for the end of Supergirl as, she, as her pregnancy mm-hmm. progresses, though. So, I mean, I guess, you know, yes. if we look at small mercies. Lines, Yes. Uh, While we're talking CW, quick note, um, Batwoman's really good, y'all. It's probably one of the best things Arrowverse is going on right now and that they've had in a while. And it's all up on uh, the CW website for free streaming. So just uh, that's something to do if you haven't taken a look at it. It's really gay and it's really good. Yeah. Um, also, they had one of your favorites that you were telling me. They had Duella Dent on for like an episode. Yeah, and, uh, the most recent episode, she uh, she she appeared. Um, it was all right. Um, I, it, it's like Cass in uh, Birds of Prey. It's it's not her like character wise really. But it's it's nice to have her be recognized as worthy of being in a this is her first time appearing in something besides a comic. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm happy. Well also, I mean, she that's kind of a deep cut. I mean, she's not the most well known character. Oh, absolutely. Like it, it's definitely a deep cut and it's I'm curious to see what the plan with her is, because they intentionally like leave her alive. And so I am curious to see what if they have plans for her or not. Or if those that could go and... because of COVID nineteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see like how if it, how far in advance they planned. Because uh, one thing that I do know is that um, Duella has a tendency when they're doing things like bombshells or amekame to get dragged in as the Joker equivalent. Because they don't want to use Harley for that role. So, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that'll happen with her here. Because the alternative is Mark Hamill. Since they brought in, they locked in Kevin Conroy as Bruce. And that's... And Mark Hamill's Joker is great. But I don't know that he's a fitting opponent for Ruby him, Rose. It's just probably going to be a little cameo. Because... He's going to be busy. He's going to, if you didn't know this, he's going to be the voice of Skeletor on that animated uh, He-Man series on Netflix from Kevin Smith. Oh, I did not know that, but cool. Yeah, a little uh, thing for you. Which Chris Wood is going to be the voice of He-Man. Oh, that's fun. 
Yeah, so it was a nice little CW connection. And if also CW slash WB connection, if you're a Buffy fan, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller has a voice of a central character on there too. So, you know, just something to keep in mind that's coming down the pipeline, assuming production hasn't halted for that. Anyways, uh, just be aware that most of your C- uh, DC TV shows, again, like I said, outside of Stargirl, because they'd already had that finished, and Harley Quinn um, probably won't have season finales this year, and it's just what it's going to be. But, you know, by the time Molly and I are back this fall discussing the what's going to come up of all of our new shows, it's just going to give us a lot more fodder to talk about. Indeed. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, As I said, I know we had a longer hiatus, which was unavoidable, but we do appreciate your patience for that. And thanks for everybody who was like, hey, I love your show. Can't wait for you to come back. You know, we really appreciate that y'all have been re-listening to episodes. (laughs) And, you know, you haven't forgotten about us. Um, we do have some new guests coming on for April and for May. And then also, you know, Molly's going to be back because I have to have somebody to talk to me about the DC TV shows this fall. Um, <laughs> so basically, anytime I want to talk about comics, I'm probably going to be wheedling Molly. Will you come I'm fine guest with host? That. <laughs> That's just an open yes. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm probably going to have her back for July because uh, we will be wanting to do some Marvel uh, workup too. We just have some co-hosts for some specific episodes already planned, so don't worry. You're going to have episodes coming up for um, April, May, and June, and then Molly's probably going to be back with me here in July because at some point we got to talk about all the Marvel crazy going on. And, you know, if they kill... My precious being Florence Pugh in Black Widow, you can be rest assured I will still be pissed about it come July by that time. So we will talk about it then. Fingers crossed they don't kill her, please. (laughs) Please don't. Yes. I was saying, please don't. I will never hear the end of it. Pretty much that, that, yeah, please don't. I I want to have eardrums. I like not being being screaming. So, anyways, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. If you have any comments um, about, you know, Birds of Prey slash Harley Quinn movie or the Harleen title or the ongoing Harley comics or any other Harley topic we've talked about uh, that we didn't get to, uh, we'd love to hear your comments on that. Just, you know, leave us a comment in the article. Also, don't forget to check out our other podcasts. If you like TTRPG live plays, we've got um, the Forge Academy. We also uh, just had some new episodes come out this week, so if you haven't checked them out, make sure you go do of the Fundamentalist and part one of a part two of a pardon me of a two part series for unabashed book snobbery, which makes its return. And then we also have uh, that's Rom and beneath the screen of the Ultra Critics. So while you're quarantined or you know self-containing, we have plenty of content for you to listen to. Don't worry, we got you covered. Thanks again to Molly for stepping up and helping me out with this episode. Of course. My pleasure. And we will see you guys back next month. Be careful.